I think story is so essential uh, to human beings. And I am constantly surprised, even shocked by what I end up learning, uh, not just from people I'm meeting for the first time, but even interviewing my own mother, you know, my teacher of 20 years, that you find out so much more about their lives that you never knew before. So the story element is really essential that helps you connect with them. If you happen to be a, a consultant, coach, speaker, that really helps you connect with this person, whether you take them on as a client or otherwise. Welcome to the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, where we're on a mission to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you're an entrepreneur with a burning desire to change the world, this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform your life and business so that you can achieve the freedom and fulfillment you crave. This show is dedicated to entrepreneurs who want more out of their life, more meaning, more purpose, and ultimately, more happiness. You deserve it all and it's possible. I'm your host, Robert Peterson, pastor turned life coach for business owners. I believe that success without happiness is not true success at all, but there's always hope for those who are willing to take action. Join us every week as we bring you inspiring leaders and messages that will help you on your journey towards success. Thank you for investing your time with us today. Let's get started. Our guest today helps small business owners craft video content to showcase their products and services and to grow their customer base with YouTube and podcast strategies. Fei Wu is a bilingual podcaster, English and Mandarin Chinese, the creator of Phase World Media, a monetized YouTube channel with 20,000 subscribers, Phase World Podcast with over 330 episodes with over 200,000 downloads worldwide, and Phase World Documentary Series on Amazon Prime. In 2022, she co-founded Pod Intelligence, an AI-powered and human-verified software to help creators do more of their existing content through keyword-driven analytics and micro-content. Media and YouTube expert Fei Wu joins Robert on the show, talking about the power of storytelling and creating good content. She shares how she's using AI technology to empower creators to make their content available in multiple formats quickly with keywords, text, and accompanying video. Faye is helping the small business content creator show up big in the media world. Well, Faye, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have this conversation and just looking forward to um, adding value to our audience and, and sharing. I, we, I don't know, we've had a, a YouTube and video expert as yourself, so this will be new for everybody. I'm so excited to be here, Robert. Thank you. So typically, I let our guests just start with their own entrepreneurial journey and what's led them to uh, the place where they are and the impact they're trying to make. Sure. I'll try to keep it brief. I think um, I want some of your audience to be able to relate to me, perhaps. Uh, I'm an immigrant living in America. I came to this country when I was 17, went to you know private high school, then college in Boston. Fast forward, I had a decade of experience working in some of the top consulting firms and marketing agencies. And I always knew that wasn't quite right for me to be quite frank. I'm not at, at all good at climbing the, the corporate ladder. I also had very little interest. So in 2016, January 1st, I decided to bounce and started my own company, which is now known as FaceWorld LLC. And the reason for that uh, was a year and a half before that, I started my podcast and got to know so many interesting entrepreneurs doing exactly what you're doing right now, made a lot of friends, um, was able to see what was possible. And then fast forward two years after I started my company, I was on the road filming, filming my own documentary. And in 2019, right before the pandemic, I started my YouTube channel, which really kind of changed the trajectory of my business. So really interesting all around. So today uh, I am a YouTube strategist for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Nice. Well, wow, that's, that's fine. Obviously starting your podcast in 2015 set you up on a, on a pretty good course. So talk a little bit about jumping into podcasting and, and, and what that created for you. Yeah. So we started, uh, actually, I still remember October 23rd, um, 2014. And 
at the time, uh, if you remember back then, Robert, you turn on whatever iTunes and it was basically the same 2025 voices at the time, you know, it was Tim Ferriss and um, Pat Flynn, a number of entrepreneurs. They're doing a great job. James Altucher as well. So I was really hoping to find more female voices as well as people with an international background. So I said, you know, what the heck, I'm just going to start my own show. And uh, I was still working at an agency at the time. It was a little bit embarrassing, to be honest, because there wasn't such a thing as a community. It was hard for me to talk about podcasting at the time and even going to, you know, family, friends, get togethers. People's first question and reaction was, well, how much money are you making? Well, what's the point of doing this then? Um, so it was really tough. There were moments where, where when I felt really alone, uh, didn't know what to do. And there was really hoping that this would change. Uh, and it did because um, without bearing the lead, what happened was people who um, was interviewed by me and they were really, uh, they really enjoyed the process and said, well, I really haven't had a chance to talk about my life in such a way. And by the way, I want to develop my personal brand. I need a website. I need a wiki, a wiki page. Could you help me? So I started developing kind of a digital services, things I was already comfortable doing because of my agency background and, and just uh, started my business that way. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about the podcasting space and the, and the shifts that have happened for women and for immigrants and, and obviously your own role in, in making some of that happen. Yeah, I guess I can't really take too much credit uh, that way, but I definitely have seen uh, such a huge wave of women, um, international women from all sorts of backgrounds. And I forgot to mention a woman that I always looked up to, um, you know, was Krista Tibbet and clearly still today. And I really idolized her. I love her voice, um, her ability to talk about different issues. And I think that landscape has really changed. So today, for instance, you go on, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you will see a lot of um, female faces talking about a variety of uh, subjects and content and, and coaches and speakers alike. And I highly encourage, uh, you know, not just women and also, you know, for my show, I, I focus a number of episodes on the LGBTQ community as well, bring different voices forward that really makes your show a lot more interesting. And I don't know how you feel about that, Robert. I definitely see uh, quite a number of, uh, you know, a big variety of guests on your show as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think I want to bring, you know, more awareness to different issues. And obviously just, you know, everybody should have a voice and 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 an opportunity to, to share their story and, and their journey. And so I love sharing the story. I love the journey. And because I think you know, more people hearing somebody else's journey and says, Oh, I, that's me. Like I could do that. Or, or that's how I felt. And, and that's, what's holding me back. And so giving somebody the opportunity, um, you know, having traveled significantly around the world and, and of course, even here in the United States, I, I believe the biggest problem in the world is, is poverty. And mm -hmm. I believe that entrepreneurship is the solution. <laughs> helping people believe that they can start a business, giving them the tools to, to start a business and, and create something out of nothing mm -hmm. is, is the solution because the government's not going to fix it. Certainly corporations aren't going to fix it. And so we need to help people fix it for themselves. And, and that's really helping them develop their own businesses. And so the more voices that I can share of people starting from nothing, bootstrapping a business and, and sharing their journey I think will empower more people in that same direction. I totally agree. I think even recently, I, you know, sometimes you just never know who's on your email list. And I've been sending newsletters about once a week or even twice a week these days. And when I see replies from people and, you know, whose names I'm absolutely not familiar with at all, I have recently, for instance, received uh, letters from people living in parts in, in, of South America, Mexico, um, as well, you know, different people. And they've all voiced the challenges of, you know, about economy in general. And uh, they really wish they can start their own business and that they have families to support. And to your point, instead of waiting for things to, you know, turn around at the governmental level, there's so much that you can do on your own, even if it means to start very small. So let's so let's talk about starting very small. Uh, you know, everybody gets caught up in this idea of, 
oh, I need a microphone and a camera and, and all of this, all of this other equipment. But the truth is you could start with your phone, not even necessarily having a laptop. <laughs> Very true. Uh, in fact, a lot of, I mean, we live in the, the US and we don't even think about these things, but many parts of the world, uh, a mobile phone, and doesn't mean the latest iOS or anything, is the only device uh, that people have access to. And they do everything, not only recording, but even like editing complex videos and things like that. I have no idea how to do, but starting small really is absolutely key. And I was just thinking about this uh, before I hopped on today. What is holding people back? I think we come from a culture, uh, American culture, but also for instance, Asian culture, you know, where we grew up and needing to feel special, needing to accomplish something at a very young and early age. To a ridiculous degree, you know, we we sometimes will visit um, friends, families, and seeing a three to four year old playing the piano with such mastery, and that is, you know, that is something that to be celebrated. But what if you feel like you're not at any sort of mastery towards the work that you're doing? So I, I kind of want to maybe break that down a little bit with you, Robert, to think about, you know, if a regular user experience designer or a developer working in an agency. Well, do they have enough to say? Are they good enough? Will they ever build an audience? And I think those are some of the people perhaps that they're holding themselves back to think that uh, it's not, you know, it's not worthy of my time or other people's attention to hear what I have to say. But turns out that it's absolutely worth it. We all bring our own unique stories. And it's it's really interesting to explore, even if it's not for anybody else, but for yourself. Oh, absolutely. I think it's kind of like wanting to be a runner and and deciding, well, I'm not going to run until I know I can win. Yeah, exactly. And so, so they so they never start running, which of course means that of course they can never win because if you never start, you you never get the practice that you need. And and the great thing about podcasting and even on it, uh, putting out a YouTube channel, nobody watches in the beginning anyway. And so, yeah, <laughs> start creating content for yourself. Start creating the idea of of waiting until you know everything or or mm -hmm. have. I think that's the the biggest misnomer right i think mm -hmm. it's just start start a youtube channel start a tiktok channel start start something and and just start creating and it's funny to tell people just create something every day just just mm -hmm. one one minute video every day is going to transform your life and business if you're consistent and persistent in doing that absolutely you know like you said earlier, people want to be able to relate to uh, a face, a voice, or somebody's experience. Um, sometimes really is true that the market does offer a lot of seven-figure, eight-figure entrepreneurs, you know, these 10-step programs and guarantee success. But the reality is, especially if you are a business owner or entrepreneur, you know that those guarantees are completely bogus. And, and you might as well start something on your own. And you don't have to be perfect because I think the unscripted, more transparent and unprepared content is even more attractive. And I'll add one more thing is sometimes during recording, I'm not sure if you feel this way, Robert, uh, during recording, uh, whether it's in this format or maybe you're, you're writing something, you're, you're, you know, recording video or an Instagram reel and you think to yourself, well, that really wasn't my best. And you're probably right. But in retrospect, when you watch it again, you realize you're not as you were not nearly as bad as you thought you were. So I think rescuing yourself in that moment, not judging yourself during the content creation process is a, a lesson I've learned early on. And I still continue to have to remind myself. Well, and and recognize that it it's a growth journey. You don't get to 10,000 hours, right? The the idea mm -hmm. of Malcolm Gladwell 10 takes 10,000 hours to to be good. Well, you've got to start <laughs> and you start one minute at a time. Mm -hmm. And and I think, you know like you said, the authenticity, um, helping people believe that first of all, all of these ads in Instagram reels and in, and in Facebook talking about guaranteeing six and seven figures, you know, that you can get a thousand dollars a day writing reviews, um, all of those things. If it, if it seems too, un, you know, unreal, it probably is. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're doing those things to get views and comments and, and, and conversations, but they're not really, building a channel they're creating a following of of that that's not consistent right so let's talk a little bit about audience and and helping to find your voice and and the audience that that you can serve mm -hmm. i think uh first of all attracting an audience is such an art 
and it's not the most trivial thing, right? I think uh, if we look back to our earlier childhood or teenage years, we are surrounded by people who are more like us and you know who you hit it off with and things like that. So when I think about our audience, there's some similarities. And at the beginning, it was harder to pinpoint when you blog or create videos or record podcasts and nobody's actually listening because nobody knows about this or knows you except for your family and friends. That's that's harder. That's not really a clear indicator. But if you consistently deliver content, you're going to start building a small audience. And from that crowd, you can actually learn a lot from those people, which I find to be uh, really intriguing. And so here are some of the lessons I learned that... Uh, it was no surprise to me that a lot of people uh, who are part of my audience, they do have a kind of an international background. Uh, you know, they have lived in, in this country or somewhere else as immigrants, which was really interesting. So they're not just U.S. based. And another uh, aspect that I find interesting was there were, for instance, a lot of American listeners who are eager to uh, learn about other people's cultures, not just Asian cultures. Some of them do have interest in that, but they're just, they're eager, they're curious. They find that they themselves have a lot of friends who are international. Uh, and uh, so to me, that was really interesting. It's like, we're creating this hub, uh, being able to talk about business, creativity, like creator economy. Well, we have something else in common that is not really publicly shared, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So let's talk about the challenge in, in podcasting and still in YouTube of creating community and how, how you can target an audience, but then create something that, that pulls them into your world and not just this one way um, that the podcasting started out, right? And, and YouTube is, is still in, in many ways a one way conversation. And how, how do you help people recognize the value of community and then and then create something that becomes you know two directions yeah that, that's a really interesting question so first of all you know for entrepreneurs and small businesses to build up and grow let's say a youtube channel or a podcast it can be quite challenging i, I just want to like confront that no matter how easy someone tells you follow these 10 steps it takes a lot of time and effort to build a community. So in order for it to become a two-way street, I think there's certain things you can do. For instance, let's just focus on YouTube for a moment. So whether your video is under 60 seconds, five minutes, 12 minutes or more, periodically you can give shout outs to your community in a couple of ways, uh, not just asking them to like, subscribe, but ask them a question. Um, you know, at the beginning of the, the video, here are some of the things I've talked about, such as AI tools, which is something that I'm really kind of delving into. And I tell, I ask people, well, these are my favorite AI writers. What are some of your options that I, I would love to learn from you? Please let me know in the comments below. So that's one way. And, uh, you know, the other is to, for instance, uh, there are many ways, but the other is asking people to maybe follow you on Instagram or social media where it's not just for the sake of following you, but you have to give them a reason, whether they can learn additional tips and tricks. Maybe they can download something if you want them to, you know, download a lead gen or uh, or a part to join part of your email list. Thirdly, uh, if you want to talk about this as well, Robert, is about starting an actual community and there are different platforms you can do that. Um, Facebook groups are free, but can also be quite distracting. Uh, Discord is, some, is something that people are, some people are getting into. There are also community platforms such as, you know, Mighty Networks, Podia, and others that we can talk about. So um, one thing I would say is it's, it's community itself it's a lot of work because you don't want to start the conversation and then end them. It's a two-way conversation, but it doesn't happen at once, right? People will ask you a question, you'll respond. Other people will, you know, again, ask you a follow-up question. And the idea is that the community start to uh, nurture each other, nurture itself and start answering questions for each other so that you gradually slowly remove yourself from the being the only moderator and, and the only master in the community. Oh, I like that a lot. I mean, it's so one step is obviously creating a two way conversation and giving your community a chance to interact with you, to ask questions, to have um, connection to mm -hmm. you as the as the host of your show, as the host of your channel, but then to create opportunity for the community itself to to create community as a next step 
um, is very interesting. So that's been one of my challenges in in having the podcast and and having the show is is wanting to create something more interactive and more um, community related. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, the Facebook group creates its own little craziness. So it, it it for me it wasn't the solution yet, and I don't know that I have the solution that that I'm satisfied with yet. So. I, I want to comment on that also a bit, Robert, like because I've tried to start a community and I've shut down several communities um, of my own as well. And there are a lot of lessons learned. I think uh, we need to reach um, a critical mass in order to actually start a community, first of all. Um, so people sometimes think, well, it's a, I, I think in real life, I mean, when we have five to 10 friends, that's pretty amazing. But it's hard to have, say, 50, 100 listeners, for instance. This is not related to your, you know, your podcast or mine necessarily, but in general, you know, if your listenership is somewhere within, uh, you know, 100, 200 downloads, it's going to be hard to try to build a community. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't, but you can still invite people to, for instance, like subscribe to your newsletter, send you questions and things like that, but for you to try to solve a problem. So, for instance, if your show is about entrepreneurship and you start a community to help other entrepreneurs and small business to grow, you know, to, to grow their revenue, to create better videos and things like that. I realize that it can be challenging because there's so many options to choose from. And for people to think about their user experience, if they need to log on to another platform, then you message them. And every time they have to log back in to respond back to you, I've seen a lot of, you know, previously successful communities to crumble as a result of that. Um, so that that is kind of interesting uh, to me. Oh no, it's absolutely a, a challenge to. Yeah, it it is a challenge. I think for podcasters, for um, YouTube channel, to mm -hmm. to really create opportunities for interaction and 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 of course, like you said, get to a critical mass where a community itself starts to have its own. You know, I, I mean, I know there's creators out there whose communities have nicknames and, and they call them, you know, a certain thing and it becomes a hashtag and it becomes, you know, a trend to, to be identified as as one of their followers. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it, it's definitely an interesting space, but I think that's what takes a podcast or a YouTube channel to the next level is when you start thinking differently about how you're interacting with your audience, how you're caring for them. and, and and that's when you can think about transformation in a different way because you're not just, you know, pumping out all this information. Mm, very true. And I, I think, uh, Robert, what you and I have something in common is that we both take on, you know, one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, I, I know, uh, you know, our the nature of our business may be different, but we do work with people one-on-one. -on -one. Whereas um, lately I have consulted, uh, I'm still consulting for a number of clients who do have a big community. And it's really interesting to witness that perhaps they only charge $5, $25 per event. And when I look at their revenue after just a few promotions, sometimes none because their followers want everything from them. We're, we're looking at eight, nine, $10,000 per event just for an hour, for instance. And to me, that is just phenomenal. I don't have that level of success, to be quite frank. And instead, what people in our situations are working with clients one-on-one, -on -one, and that's, uh, to me, it's interesting. Dan Ko, uh, a, a YouTube creator, talks about that this is like stage one is getting started. Stage two is charging sufficient amount of uh, money for one-on-one -on -one clients. And then stage three is creating a community, uh, you know, where you can charge very little literally is $5 for some of these Facebook uh, groups. And those people, those entrepreneurs and some women that come to mind as well, they have 6,000 people, active members in those communities times five, that's $30,000 just from one of her products. So that is stage three. A lot of entrepreneurs wanna get there right away. They're in stage one, but they wanna start a community and they wonder why they're not successful. We will be right back after this short break. Are you an entrepreneur who started their business with purpose and passion only to lose sight of it amidst the daily grind? We understand how frustrating that can be. That's why we're offering free strategy calls to help you gain clarity on the barriers holding you back from achieving your dreams. In just 30 minutes, our experienced coaches will work with you to identify obstacles and develop strategies for overcoming them. There's no commitment or pressure, just a chance to get some assistance and clarity you need. 
Scheduling is easy. Simply visit smilingcall.com and select the time that works for you. Let's jump on a call and build your business together. It's time for you to add value and achieve your full potential as an entrepreneur. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Well, and and you can't have those expectations, right? I think, you know, there's there are too many people out there making those promises of, oh, you can be at seven figures in 30 days and and <laughs> all of these, all, but you've got to do the work. You've yeah. got to have a following. Like even, you know, I, I mean, I love Russell Brunson a, a great deal. And, but the idea that, you know, when, when Russell says, well, if I had to start all over, mm-hmm. this is what I do, but he's starting all over with a reputation. <laughs> and so even yeah. if he starts something from scratch, it's still kind of, yeah, well, you've got a, a reputation that you've built over this period of time. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me a little bit more about, obviously you had a, your, your podcast has been running for a long time now mm-hmm. and, and having great success and in, in getting traction. What made you jump into, into YouTube and, and becoming a YouTube creator, starting your YouTube channel? Yeah, it was so fascinating because I had no desire, even though a lot of my friends trying to convince me during my early podcasting days to say, oh, obviously you should be on YouTube. And at the time I was, I don't know, going to YouTube for some makeup tutorials or something, you know, like kind of childish. But uh, yeah, I still do today. It's so relaxing to watch other people put on makeup and do their hair. And so I never really related to being a YouTuber as a serious business person. Um, and I was clearly wrong because people started early in 2009, 2010. A lot of those people are very successful, those early adopters. And when I released my documentary finally on Amazon Prime in 2019, after just waiting, production, all that stuff, for a year, I realized I was missing something that I wanted to be in front of the camera. And there's so much for me to learn. I was so I was definitely awkward, nervous, and all of that. Um, so I started the channel in 2019. But even with so many years already under my belt as a podcaster, I was completely new to videos and I'm not sure if I liked how I looked and how I sounded. And, you know, there's so many things to pay attention to. Lighting was poor. Uh, and I, I just decided to s- stick with it. My producer, Herman, and I made the journey very, very simple to say, we're going to run this channel no matter what for the next six months to a year. We both knew we we're going to do it for a lot longer. So would you take that pressure off of you and say, my channel needs to be monetized within the month. I need to, my video, I need to have a breakthrough video of over 10,000 views. We didn't expect any of that. However, um, you know, three months later with, um, with a pandemic and I was so eager to put together tutorials to help my Zumba instructors to quickly teach on Zoom, which Zoom was absolutely not designed for. That one video took off and within days we had thousands of views um, it was the top ranking Zoom for Zumba video on YouTube for many, many months. And our channel um, became monetized and the, it changed everything. So many brands approached me, fitness platform brands, and these days more of live stream and content creation brands, even personal finance brands and AI companies started approaching me uh, with budgets, with what is that you can do? And it just, it changed the way that I've negotiated with with prospects and leads completely. And I, I just kind of fell in love with it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so let's, so let's talk about the monetization. Obviously YouTube monetizes itself past a thousand followers. And obviously you created a very targeted instructional video tutorial for zoom on Zumba. <laughs> and, <laughs> and obviously the, the pandemic, your timing was was appropriate, right? You, you, yeah. you, you saw a problem in the marketplace and, and immediately said, all right, I, I know a solution and, and offered that solution. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about monetizing the podcast in comparison to monetizing YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, podcasting was way more difficult. Uh, in fact, I will mention that a lot of YouTubers today are starting their podcasts and vice versa. Podcasters want to start their own YouTube channel. If I were to do it all over again, I would have started YouTube first, then podcast later. And, um, you know, for me, I think monetizing my podcast uh, to give you concrete numbers, I like to throw numbers. At the beginning, uh, 2014, a lot of our shows were getting downloads between 300 to 500. If you're starting your podcast today, you might actually expect lower numbers because there's a lot more competition today, 
right? Nine years later. In fact, a lot of people are not aware that number one, even though with over a million podcasts on say Apple podcasts, only about, I think a quarter of the or so are actively updated, meaning people are releasing it on a regular basis. And um, so to be able to monetize your show, even though it's not true that you need a hundred thousand downloads or more each month, you're still looking at at least 10 to 20,000. And even when you hit those numbers, you can then begin the negotiation phase with these brands. And many of them are willing to pay, you know, somewhat moderate amount, like small to moderate number, right? Budgets are often limited because they have these huge podcasters to work with. So I, we had received, uh, we received a number of potential sponsors, but they were not really good matches for the show. They have nothing to do with the show. The show is about the, you know, creators and the creative economy. And uh, you, you constantly get these, like, I don't know, mattress companies and random <laughs> jewelry, underwear companies, like, uh, like, you know, swimsuits companies. And um, so and I'm not talking about big brands either. So they were not the right fit. However, the monetization for me for YouTube is to be able to connect with people I interview, their friends and listeners who learned a lot more about who I am and what I do. And then they became, they all, I don't want to use the word converted, but they became clients of mine. Uh, and that was uh, a way that I, in a way that I never really expected. I did not go into podcasting thinking this is a tool for me to convert prospects to clients. It just so happened. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the, the, the idea of monetizing a book and the idea of monetizing a podcast really has to be about promoting yourself and, and mm -hmm. leveling up your expertise, um, using it as a business card, um, interviewing a, a targeted audience that, that, that is potential to, to be your clients. Um, and those are all definitely ways to consider monetization besides simply sponsorship. I think mm -hmm. you have to be more creative in thinking about, you know, you don't write a book to become a, an instant bestseller and to make seven figures. You you write a book to become an expert and use the book as a business card. And I think you need to think about podcasting and, and even early YouTube channel mm -hmm. in, a, in a similar way, that, that these are ways to level up your expertise, to level up your, you know, people's awareness of you, you know, use mm -hmm. your podcast in your, your promotions, right? When somebody mm -hmm. comes to you and says, well, I'm looking for help in this. And you say, well, I've got this podcast episode and this one, go check those out. Yeah. And, and then let's have a conversation. You're able to send people to your tutorials and you offer free tutorials on your YouTube channel to mm -hmm. help people get started, which of course, you know, obviously if they relate to you and they appreciate the materials that you share in your free tutorials, then boom, you know, obviously it's an avenue for people to become clients. And I think that's much more effective than counting on YouTube to just pay you for the number of views you get every month. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I also want to mention the mistakes I made, uh, quote unquote, lessons I learned as a podcast for so many years is I, I walked in without thinking about video uh, at all. I remember uh, rarely there were times I probably brought up three times to different podcast guests and they did some of them did say no at the time this is all before the pandemic and so as much as i wanted to capture videos i was not always comfortable asking or really really knew how to actually do it like show up with how much more equipment to be able to capture videos we did it with our friends atherton twins from cirque du soleil and the camera battery died completely and it was like total disaster so <laughs> Um, you know, with that said, look at what we're doing now, stream using using StreamYard. I personally use Restream and some people using Ecamm and Camel, like a whole bunch of combinations. So I would say if I could do it all over again, if anybody watching uh, this today is thinking about starting their podcast, definitely think about recording videos. You don't even have to use it, but then you know you have it in the bag. Um, another way is I know we talked about YouTube and podcasts and how wonderful is it to be able to um, be able to, you know, arrive on both platforms. The video obviously is a natural extension uh, for YouTube and you can upload the video, the audio version for your podcasting uh, outlets. And also on top of that, you can create micro content, which is absolutely essential these days for people to be able to explain, be uh, to be exposed to your podcast in much better ways as opposed to listen to, this is a 45 minute version, that's it. No, you wanna get these sound bites out of these episodes and be able to share different ideas with people. Um, so that's on you as a creator. 
Well, and absolutely. If you're only podcasting and you're only putting your podcast out on podcast channels, the best way to promote your podcast on social is those one minute clips, right? Mm -hmm. Your reels on Instagram, um, TikTok, and, and even, you know, YouTube shorts. Um, our YouTube shorts are getting far more hits than, than the long version content. And so being able to take, you know, one minute clips out of every podcast episode. And so let's talk about your new tool. You mentioned AI earlier and that you're, you're digging into the, the this AI space and, and that service that you offer for, for podcasters to be able to automatically pull clips from every one of their episodes. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Robert. So um, the tool my um, my partner Adam Leffert and I have been developing since the beginning of 2022 is called podintelligence.com. So P-O-D intelligence. And we developed this tool using AI to basically process either one or many more hours of your podcast. And we work with creators who have 50, 100 episodes or 300 plus episodes. And we create uh, a database using you know, pod intelligence. And basically what you get back is a username on a login and you have uh, basically the entire database of your content. So depending on how many episodes, you could see dozens, hundreds, even thousands of clips, but we give you the filter for you to navigate based on keywords, topics, speakers, duration, and even more. We have shuffle cards as a feature where visually you get tired of looking the same clips. You can certainly shuffle as well. And, and to be honest, on the market today in the past year, year and a half, there are uh, companies who are releasing sort of similar tools. And I started exploring, but I think we have such a different approach because most of the other tools, they charge, say, $20, $30 or $50 a month. There's a limitation of, uh, you know, how many minutes you can upload and uh, they give you just a few clips at a time, right, for you to generate more. Whereas the way that we look at it is really kind of outside in. We want to give you everything um, as someone who's being exposed to the content for the first time and being able to narrow it down as you see fit. And we also offer a lot of training and custom, you know, customized tutorials, even customizations, customizations. Uh, customizations at the client even episode level to ensure the spelling and everything is correct. So for that reason, I think that's why brands uh, love working with us. Yeah. So let's talk about the AI aspects of pod intelligence and, and how, how the AI tool is, is actually going in. I mean, I'll tell you how I, I do it manually. And, and originally it was literally every episode I sat there and wrote down timestamps and, and marked with a star the clips that I wanted. You know, we we upgraded now. I'm using the digital tablet, so <laughs> so I did that many I'm, years. Yeah, and so I still I'm still handing off to my you know uh, team mm -hmm. uh, basically a a sheet of paper. Now it's a digital sheet of paper, so we send it electronically, but mm -hmm. it has the timestamps on it. We we use Otter to pull out all the text, and and can double check the text, mm -hmm. and then. You know, to get those one minute clips, you know, it, I'm picking it out based on, you know, oh, that quote was really good or that statement was really good. Um, and I can only do that, you know, once or twice for an episode. But with the power of AI, what are you guys able to do? Yeah. So, for instance, on average, from let's say 60 minute recording, six zero, you're going to see roughly about 30 really good clips, right? Depending on the speaker or the episode, sometimes you can see upwards of like 40 all usable clips that are really interesting. Now, I want to comment real quick on Descript and Otter. Um, these tools surface all the time. People ask us, what's the difference? So uh, Descript is a tool that I'm a fan of. I discovered uh, in 2018. And uh, so what it does is, for instance, you drag the a piece of video, 45, 60 minutes. You do have to walk away for five to 10 minutes as it's processing uh, and grab your coffee, you come back and you get the full transcript. And from there, like you said, Robert, you can highlight and from there highlight different uh, text and then you can export those as video clips, even audiograms. So those are really helpful. What we're doing with Pod Intelligence is that you get number one all the transcripts um, as part of the deliverable, and but you don't have to do anything manually. AI is able to identify keywords um, based on the conversation and context. 
And the question is, how good is it really? So we don't build AI from scratch, right? We're running on their different, you know, AI databases and, and platforms that you can leverage and from Google, Microsoft, and there's a number of them that you tab into and it's a, it's a service and we build our software on top of that. So what we're able to do based on, again, the individuals and brands we work with, we can help them further identify keywords that maybe AI would have missed. Um, and that is not something that you can do within Descript. Number two is that the relational information is what intrigued me the most. You know, with Descript, there's no, you know, if I just want to grab uh, a couple of clips from Descript, there's absolutely no reason in spending any time, any budget on developing pod intelligence. But what happens is when you run your podcast for whether three months, three years or more, there are a lot of recurring themes and topics and keywords that happen on your show. Even yourself, when you discuss a certain topic, you may change your point of view. You may have additional information over the years. So I'm able to go back and say, I wonder what I said in 2014 when it comes to being a creator. Uh, a lot of the questions you asked me today, uh, I want to see how I changed, how I evolved as a person. That's not something you can do with Descript or Otter. And that can potentially get very, very expensive. Just thinking about 300 hours of transcriptions. Um, and then you have to manually go through them all. So yeah, we just, uh, I, I love exploring. We're still growing and blogging and writing so much content about improving the product. Well, and I just like the the use of the the tool, right? The, the the AI tool is able to digitally extract valuable clips based on keywords, based on the things that you re, you, you repeated. Um, the the episode that you demoed for me, we ended up talking about Baby Yoda, <laughs> and your first instinct was like, "Well, that's got to be a a mistake that the AI made." And <laughs> no, we actually had a conversation about the Baby Yoda that was over the guest's shoulder and. And, and of course, you know, it's a popular subject over the last couple of years. Um, because so true. I was like, this is definitely a mistake. And I was <laughs> going to flag it. And I realized that you did talk about it. But certainly, this is something you can also filter, right? If it's not something you want to use as a clip, you can just look right past it. You can hide it or never look at it again. There's a lot of flexibility there. Yeah. So obviously, AI just is so powerful and, and saving, you know, so much time. Like, my, obviously, our our team is still manually extracting one or two minute clips, and and just looking at the amount of time that would that would save is like okay, <laughs> we need to consider you know a next level option, um, if not now soon. <laughs> so so yeah. I appreciate you know what you've created and and. I was very impressed. Um, oh, well, that's so good to hear. Thank yeah. you. Anytime, ask us any questions. And we just love working with creators. Right? A lot of people are like, we're not sure if this is for us right now. Um, that's okay. We just love hearing questions and see what we can help creators do. Because reality is, you know, throughout the entire conversation, we're confronting the fact that there, there's always that half a percent, one percent of creators who see, you know, who, who kind of can build a really big audience. And it's also true that there's some luck involved. Yes, they work hard, but among the people who are really qualified, you only get to hear from a few of those. And the reason is, right, our time budgets are limited as smaller creators. What can we do with the limited time that we have? So I'm a firm believer. I don't think AI will ever replace human beings, at least not at the emotional uh, level, at the way, the natural ways of us creating content from zero to one is what they say. The AI is good to go from one to two to three, but the zero to one is where we live. And I think it's so essential that I process your episode, for instance, Robert, and that helped me get to know you a lot more without me really listening to the entire episode for like, I think over an hour. I got to see the key points and I got to see, you know, there's such opinion pieces that I can see that just come out. You can write blog posts about it. You can elaborate it. I can see you creating a five minute, 12 minute videos based on one thing. Maybe you only got to cover it for 45 seconds on your show. There are different opportunities strategically that you can repurpose later. Well, and, and we mentioned earlier about being able to, to send people to a clip, but the other piece is with keywords that you talked about repeating and identifying those from one episode to the next, if you know, you, the word millionaire comes up and you got it across 12 episodes, you could pull all 12 of those clips and make a, a millionaire clip that really involves 12 of your guests. And so that, that idea alone was like, okay, I see, I see you know, a way to grab 
all 12 of those clips and, mm -hmm. and make that into, into a different kind of video that we put onto YouTube, make it a different audio that we post onto the podcast channels. Exactly. That can be promotional or educational. Yeah, exactly. Like compilations. I think we all like compilations when it comes to learning what are different opinions, different ways of learning something. A millionaire, that could be a really interesting compilation of people who are millionaires themselves who talk about working with other millionaires. Maybe there's a general theme of being success, you know, successful, what success means to them. And they're also, I've interviewed a lot of millionaires who gave all their money away. So there is just so many different uh, variations that you can create, permutations that you can create from just a single keyword. Yeah, I think, I think obviously you've created something that's going to be really powerful. And I think it's going to be another shift in your business from this YouTube maven to, to now something, you know, helping video creators in a, in a completely different way. You have one other concept that, that I really, really liked. And it's the conversational interview mm -hmm. and then being able to plug that into the same system to create clips from a conversation that a client can have with you. And, and you're drawing out basically who they are, who they serve, where their heart is. Um, some of those things that you've honed your interview skills to to spend an hour to an hour and a half with a person and then draw out incredible stuff. Obviously the value in the interview is, is super cool, but then being able mm -hmm. to create 40 clips <laughs> instantaneously from, from that interview um, mm -hmm. is, is so powerful. Yeah, it's so powerful. And guess what, Robert, I've been testing. Like we, we all leave with assumptions, sometimes more mature, more experienced. We are like, Sometimes even I occasionally find myself saying, oh, I, I know that's going to take off. I know that's going to work. But at the end of the day that you you don't and sometimes you experience doesn't help either. So when I publish, let's say these 30, 40 clips, I oftentimes find myself surprised by what takes off. What does it mean? Does it mean that your audience necessarily absolutely love these clips? They just decided that for you? Yeah, partially, probably. But there's also the other factor of, let's say, YouTube or Instagram algorithm just somehow favored those clips based on the time of day, based on who initially engaged with them. So instead of having us read too much into it and trying to predict our future and what works, it is really not just a quality game. It's a quantity game. People don't want to hear that because somehow... We take so much pride in being perfectionists and like, even though that's a bad word these days, but like, oh, look at this piece of content. We're so proud, but you just don't know. And uh, so you're doing yourself a disservice by trying to create, spend a lot of money, create very, very few assets and just sit there and wait, right? Well, we've all done that. Like I've listened something to LinkedIn, refresh, refresh, and then realize, no, just publish consistently, walk away and look at your analytics once a month. Mm. Love that. So can you share just a little bit about the value of the story element in that and having those interview conversations? Because those aren't necessarily um, creator content, right? This is, this is you know, a conversation with a CEO or a conversation with a, a mom trying to build her brand um, and, and how those, how those stories can shape their brand and how this interview conversation with you can really draw out their story. I think story is so essential uh, to human beings. And I am constantly surprised, even shocked by what I end up learning, uh, not just from people I'm meeting for the first time, but even interviewing my own mother, you know, my teacher of 20 years, that you find out so much more about their lives that you never knew before. So the story element is really essential. That helps you connect with them if you happen to be a, a consultant, coach, speaker that really helps you connect with this person, whether you take them on as a client or otherwise. Um, and I think podcasting in particular, and, and also there's a version because these days we talk about YouTube podcasting a lot. YouTube is pouring a lot of money, a lot of attention into podcasters is that you share the story as opposed to a quick call to action or uh, like a repeated message and getting to the point so quickly, uh, is that a story really helps people relate and kind of ease into the journey. A lot of people don't really know the why. Uh, you, you know, there's so much content about the how to do something, but I think story really helps people understand the why behind it and the next steps and actions become much more trivial and easier that way. So. 
Does that help? <laughs> Does it answer no, no, it's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, as a transformational coach, we deal with story. It's really the stories that people are telling themselves, the stories they believe about themselves, and, and of course, the stories that they're willing to tell others and helping people transform those stories to empower themselves and, and empower their future. But it starts in that same space of, you know, why they believe who they are and 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 what their heart is, what's inside of them, because that's what's going to empower them to want to get to another level, to want to make those changes in their thought life and, and in their future. So, so powerful. Faith, thank you so much. We, we end every episode with our guests sharing their words of wisdom. So entrepreneurial audience, what would you share with them regarding their word, your advice? My advice. Uh, I, I think you just, you have to start creating something from nothing. Like you said earlier, uh, is really powerful, whatever that may be. Um, and just start something today, even if it means 15 seconds, 15 minutes. Um, so I love, I love when people start today to start really envision their future as opposed to, uh, I'll wait 20 years. I'll wait until my kids are in college. Then I will do something like start envisioning and start doing now. So good. Faye, thank you so much for joining me today. I sure appreciate the conversation. Um, learned so much and and really some great ideas um, for my YouTube channel and, and my podcast. So thank you. Thank you so much. Please let me know how I can be of service. Thank you for tuning in to this episode brought to you by the power of intentional decisions that lead to massive action. Those aren't just buzzwords. They're qualities that can help you take control of your life and build a successful business. To support you on this journey, we're offering you our most popular survey to help you establish a baseline. Visit enjoybizlife.com to check it out and take the first steps towards changing your life and business. We often make things more complicated than they need to be, losing sight of what's truly important. This tool will help you refocus on what matters most so that you can start doing the things you've always wanted to do like spending quality time with loved ones. And if you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by liking, subscribing, or leaving a review. But most importantly, share it with someone who needs to hear it. In our next episode, Robert chats with Dr. Ilya Skolnikov about medicine. We get down to how our sick care system, how people are being manipulated into believing the system cares about making them better. He wants to empower people with information to make their own choices to choose better food, better lifestyles, and choose healthy because you can.